if you would ask someone, why do you play poker? And he says, yeah, because of the money and freedom. And then the next, the next level would be, why do you want to have a lot of money and freedom? And then the next why would be, because then I can see other cultures and the world, for example. Right? And then why do you want to see other cultures in the world? And if you do this enough times, usually five to seven times should be enough, you will find the core reason, your core why. And this can help you a lot by finding the core motivator in terms of poker. Hi, it's Ranchix. Welcome to my podcast. And the following is my conversation with Karim Chelly. He is a mindset coach working with poker players. We discussed mental game coaching in general, how to choose the best coach for you, how to recognize when you would benefit from coaching. We talk about Karim's background and how he got into this business, his experience as a dating coach, lots of interesting things about relationships and social connection, which is a weak area for a lot of poker players. Anyway, check the timestamps in the description and please support this podcast by subscribing, liking and sharing your favorite episodes. If you're on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars. And now enjoy this conversation with Karim Chelly. Well, what would be your top advice, like key advice to poker players? <laughs> that like what, what I always say, that's a very good question to start with. Um, what I would say is to become the best version of yourself and the best poker player you can be. I think you have like to work on two different parts. Mm -hmm. The first point or the first part is obviously the strategy part. If you don't know what, what hands to free bet, you'll have a bad time. Um, but if you have some good understanding about the strategy, if you like beat, beat the field or beat some stakes, the next step is definitely to work on the second part, which is like mindset and performance. Mm -hmm. And I think if you want to reach the, the highest level, you need to have like both sides and to be, to have like some, some understanding at least Of, of both sides. And what, what I see in a lot of poker players who either come to me or so, some, you know, some people I, I talk to, that it's very common that they say, okay, I have no idea um, if I'm good or bad, I look for a strategy coach. So what they do is they, they found a strategy coach, they work with them. But with mindset, I think it's, it's still, you know, like a little bit different. Some people, they are in a stable. They're like, yeah, that's the new mindset coach. And they're like, okay, what's that, right? Um, but I think poker is such an interesting game and has so much to do with your mind that you, you, know, you have to have both at some point. At some point, you definitely have to have both. How can one recognize that they need a mindset coach? Because a lot of people would say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm fine. I'm I'm fine the way I am. I don't need any advice. I don't need the, you know, some uh, mental game bullshit, as as many people would see it, right? So, <laughs> yeah. how can somebody recognize that maybe they need some help, or maybe they need an advice? Maybe they're missing out on something. I think that the core question here is: they should ask themselves: Is it my is it is it my ego? that is talking right now when they say like, that's bullshit or, or is it truly that they don't need help? Right. Um, sometimes it's just like the ego because working with a mindset coach means usually people, um, you know, they connect it to like, okay, there's something wrong with me. And then they go to a, to a mindset coach. And I think that is, that is the problem. 
But what I always say is like, don't see it as you, there's something wrong with you and now we have to fix it, but see it rather as like, okay, I want to become the best version of myself. And I, you know, I work with someone who can help me to become, you know, like the best player I can be or to unlock my full potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you like see it from this perspective, then like the weight goes off because that's the same reason why poker players go to a strategy coach because they want to improve. And if they see it like, okay, I go to a mindset coach because there's something wrong, of course, you know, um, there's some, some resistance there. But if you say, okay, I see it the same way as I see working on my strategy, it's also like the, another part is just working on my mindset. You know, I think that is much easier then. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about some specific areas. Like which areas do you feel uh, that people need improvement most often? When you mean in terms of in terms in of in mental general? game? Well, okay. in terms of mental and again, like mental game mindset, right? It's broad, broad term. It it can mean different things to different people, um, because you know routine is part of that. Diet can be part of that. Sleeping rhythm can be part of that. So many things can be part of that, right? But what are the key areas where poker players specifically usually struggle with or are suboptimal in? Mm-hmm. So as, as if you remember um, the first call we had, um, I told you about the three areas, right? So mm-hmm. mindset, performance, and then as I call it, optimization, where we yeah. take a look at the bigger picture. Um, so it's very different. Some people, they, they come to me, they're like, yeah, let's talk about a little bit about mindset, a little bit about performance, um, but mostly about life in general. Um, some people say, no, like, you know, I, I have some tilt issues. Let's talk about this. Um, but I would say most people, I'm not sure why I have a, I have an idea why, but you know, it could be many reasons what they are most interested, most interested in is the performance part. Mm-hmm. So they say, okay, I want to perform better. I want to perform on demand. I want to play my A game more often. Um, and that is usually one of the, the biggest things or like the, the biggest changes that I see in, in my clients when I work with them. That when we start when we start to improve the performance, all of a sudden they're like, okay, wow, I have you know the best result ever, or like the best week ever. Um, so it's I would say like the most most requested topic is definitely performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what would be your um, sort of top advice in terms of? I mean, obviously, not everything applies to everyone, but mm-hmm. if you had to choose one advice that is universal, what would it be? Yeah, so, so the best advice, I have a, I have a good story about this. Um, I remember I had a call with a very good poker player, played like high stakes. He came to my call and he's like, I never worked on my mindset or performance. What is it? Tell me, you know? I'm like, okay, I explained, I explained a little bit about these things. Um, and he's like, yeah, performance sounds good. What should I do? What is your tip, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, so what do you do before you play, right? And he was like lay, lay, laying in his chair, right? So, so what do you do before you play? And he's like, what, a warm-up? I'm like, yes, I have no warm-up. I sit down, I play, and I see where it goes, right? And I'm like, hmm, <laughs> you know, maybe that's not the best, best idea. Um, so I would say the easiest way to see improvements in your performance is definitely to think of certain tasks that you can do before a session, and certain tasks you can do after your sessions. I always compare it. That's what I teach my clients. Um, 
what, what I do with my clients is basically I create a key and this key gives you access to a door. Behind this door is your best self, the best version of yourself. And what we do is we create like an emotional trigger. So that's the key. And they can access this door um, or this room whenever they want. And after the session, they close the door and they sleep like a baby. Um, and that is that is basically what I do with my clients. All right. So the, the key purpose of a warm-up session then is to get to the state of high alertness, right? Of high focus. And the purpose of the cool-down session is to leave the work at work, so to say, so that you can actually live your life after, right? Yeah, like a light switch, basically. Like pre-session, basically the light goes on, post-session the light goes off. Mm. But in the in the example that I gave you, if you never turn the light on or off, or if, if it's just luck, right? If you if you rely on luck, if the light goes on or off, I think yeah. that is not the, the best idea. Because in, in poker, especially, you have so, so many things you cannot control. And what we want to focus on is the things we can control. So if we focus on the things we can control and try to optimize them, we will also see improvements in our results. Mm -hmm. And if we forget about the things or not forget, but, you know, folk, like let go of the things we cannot control, um, we will always have an improvement in focus as well. Because like if we, you know, forget about these things and focus on the important stuff, you know, then mm -hmm. we also have an improvement there as well. Yeah. All right. And when it comes to, let's talk about the cooldown first, right? What are some of the most efficient techniques? What do you think in terms of finishing, wrapping up your session? Mm -hmm. it's, it's, very, um, it's very different. Some people, they like to meditate after the session. Some people like to meditate before the session. Mm -hmm. um, some people like to do it twice. Right. Um, but I think the most important thing is definitely like rate your session in a way or review your session in a way and say, okay, um, what was good? What was bad? What can I improve? Um, and basically coach yourself a little bit and say, okay, um, next time I want to focus more on this or on that. Mm -hmm. um, and then I would say, something that, that brings you down. Some people like to go for a walk. Some people like to do a prayer. Some people like to meditate, whatever it is, whatever it is that, that calms you down. But just the task alone to say, okay, I block 10 minutes, 15 minutes of my time just to like review the session and then calm down. This alone can help you a lot in terms of your, your mental calmness to say, okay, like the door, I close the door basically, right? The mental mm -hmm. door. And then they sleep like a baby usually. <laughs> right. And for, because obviously, if we think about poker players, there's different types of career paths, right? Because the schedules, the rigid schedules of, of a tournament player, right? There is much less flexibility and you have to stay with it till the end basically right you you can't well you can just spew it off and, and go to sleep but usually that's well then why are you doing this right so you, you're supposed to maintain the high level of focus for a long long time cash game players have much more freedom in that sense uh, we we can quit uh, more easily doesn't mean that we actually do a lot of people struggle to quit uh sessions 
when they're actually tired because of all sorts of reasons that they usually make up themselves of like, no, the game's too good. I'll never see the game like this ever again. Um, how do you think, if you worked with cash game players, what is the optimal way to approach a session, a predetermined length, some other cues for when we start the session, finish the session? What do you think in terms of what would be optimal? Only cash game, right? Yeah, because tournament players, I mean, it's it's a different breed. And, you know, you can be uh, with all sorts of ideas of I want to only play two hours, but you, hey, you're a tournament player. You're not going to play <laughs> yeah. only two hours, right? You're not yeah. going to play the time of the day when you want. You're going to play the time of the day when the tournaments are there. Cash game players have yeah. so much more freedom. And I think like this freedom is great for people who use it, but it's it's horrible for people who... Don't want to say abuse it, but you know who sort of don't see that there's actually freedom, and they they still end up messing up their schedules and and everything else. Mm -hmm. So um, cool that you mentioned that because yesterday I had a session with a client of mine who's also from Vienna, mm -hmm. um, and he's a cash game player. <clears throat> so we talked about the length of a session, and. Uh, what he told me, and this was very interesting because I would consider him as a very good player, um, but he made a database analyst, uh, mm -hmm. an analysis. And what he said is like in the first two hours when he plays a session, yeah. he, he like he's a winning player. But after like two and a half, three hours, he's actually losing after a huge sample. Mm -hmm. So what I said is like, why do you have like, you, why do you play so long then? Right? He's like, oh yeah. So what we agreed on is, is to, to like stop after two hours and just like go on a break, right? Could be like mm -hmm. a five minute, 10 minute, 15 minute, whatever he needs, right? Everyone is different. Um, and I think in general, you will see this more often. So I would say if you're a cash game player, um, definitely after two hours, you know, for five minutes, refill water, ref refill snacks. If you don't have an air, air conditioning um, thing, then like open the windows, get some fresh air in, right? Get your blood flowing, stand up, move around a little bit um, and try to stay awake, right? For the tournament players, for example, they play late at night. If like, if they have a five minute break and what they do is basically like, okay, I'm on a break, grab the, fo the phone, you know, and then scroll around on social media and then they continue to play, they will get tired because like, they're just like in this like chilled state basically where they like sit down and like they don't move the body at all. Mm -hmm. um, so what I always say, I'm a big fan of like moving the body, get the blood flowing, you know, try to have enough water. I think that is extremely important, enough water to drink, fresh air, also extremely important and basically be active. Be active and and this helps you to calm down if you use your body and then you will see after, as a cash game player, after 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you need, you will feel you know, better and then you can sit down and play for another two hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and especially for people who are playing, let's say Zoom pools. Right. The whole point of playing Zoom pool is that it's so easy to join it and so easy to quit and so easy to sit out for even just a minute. Right. And so not to use that luxury, I just don't understand why people 
people do it, right? Because it's obviously much harder for a cash game player who's, let's say, sitting at 12 tables, uh, regular tables. It takes quite some time to sit out on all of them, quite some time to get back. Uh, you, you only have three orbits uh, that you can walk away, right? So it's it's much harder. It, it becomes more of a necessity to actually completely quit your session after two hours and then restart it after, let's say, another hour or so. And then obviously for the high-stakes players, there's a completely different set of problems, but uh, I'm pretty sure that most most guys at those stakes, they they figured out what works for them. So we don't need to focus on, <laughs> on this, I guess. But um, I want to touch upon you and your career choice of becoming a coach. Um, you've been coaching since you're 21, right? And an, an unusual career choice. And I remember we, we had a conversation already about how you got into coaching because accidentally um, you had a chance to do a presentation and you went for it. In fact, tell the story because, you know, to you, it seemed natural, but for most people, you know, if somebody asks you, do you want to present in front of a group of people? The default answer for most people is absolutely not, right? <laughs> but for you, it was yeah. completely different. So please tell the story. Yeah, so so basically, um, maybe to make it even even more interesting for the listeners, um, I was shy when, when I was like 16, 17, extremely shy and introverted. Um, but I was always very ambitious and I always knew that like being shy will hold me back at some point, you know, because I, I think if you would ask me with 16, if I would like join your podcast, I would say, no, like I'm too shy, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm too shy for it. Um, so this is like some sort um, of like a, a limit that you can reach, I think, um, when, when you're shy. So shyness is holding you back. Mm -hmm. um, so what I said to myself is I want to overcome it. And then certain things happen in, in, in my life um, that drove me to work, uh, to work on myself, right? I got like, um, rejected by a girl that I, that I really liked, um, and, and many other things that kept me thinking and, and started the whole process of like, okay, I want to improve myself. I want to become the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. And then there was a, was a moment where with a friend of mine, I went to a, uh, an event, a seminar, and I saw a guy who was also like at the beginning of his twenties. And he, he gave a seminar, basically a very good speech. And I'm like, I was whispering to my friend, I'm like, do you see him? I want to be, be like him. I also want to, to give speeches. Um, so what I did is I became friends with the people who organized these events. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember um, we were at dinner and then the, the person who was the, the main guy with organizing these events, he got a, a message and he's like, oh man, you know, one, one, because we had like three people who gave speeches. Um, per night and he's like oh one of those people um, got sick so I have to find someone who can replace him and then he asked the table like do you know someone who who would be a good fit and I was like a little bit shy still then and I'm like yeah maybe I can do it you know and like the whole table was looking at me and and he was asking he asked like um can you can you speak you know like are you able to do that and I'm like I think so, you know? And he's like, yeah, I give you a chance, right? I give you a chance. Um, and it was definitely not the best speech you, you ever heard. I can, I can tell you that. Um, but the difference was that the people who spoke before me, because I was the third 
like the third slot. Mm-hmm. The people who spoke before me, um, they talked a lot about psychology and, and and like really deep stuff. And like the half of the the audience, they're like, okay, that's too complicated. I switch off my brain. And what I did, I went on stage and I'm like, okay, I tell you a story. This is the story that happened. And that is what I learned. And I think that is what I did well, that that's what I would approve, right? And people like that. People like, okay, um, you know, they get a feeling of connection because, you know, they see I'm a human, I'm not perfect. Um, and with a story, I think also it's easy to remember certain things. Mm-hmm. And then they said, okay, I like this guy. I want to see him again. And then it was my second speech. And then they said, okay, I want more. And in the third speech, a fourth speech. And then at some point the organizer said, um, you know, people like you, I want to focus on a, on a, on a different part of, of, of my business. Do you want to organize these events? I'm like, sure. So I was then the person who organized these events. And yeah. Mm. Wow. So chance opportunity that you grabbed and, uh, you know, here, here we are. Yeah, um, 100%. And so first coaching direction that you chose was dating coaching, right? <laughs> yes. Tell me a bit more about that and the lessons that you've learned from from working with people in that area. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I did this for roughly four years um, and I still have some poker players who come to me and they're like, yeah, I heard you're a dating coach. Is that true? I'm like, yes. Can you help me? I'm like, yes. (laughs) You know, so it's like the the knowledge is not gone. Um, But I, I, I learned so many things about psychology um, in this business. It's, it's really crazy. The first thing that I can tell you is um, what most people think, most guys think that they are born and they're either good with girls or bad with girls. And that's it. They have, they have no power to change that. And I think that is one of the, the biggest things um, that people have to realize is like with everything in life, you have a choice. And if you work on certain areas, you can become better and improve them. And it's not by becoming fake. It's basically by, by communicating your true self. Because what I also learned is that you have like two types of guys. Like if you imagine like a, you have a good product, but you cannot market it, mm-hmm. no one will buy it. Because the product is maybe the best product on the market. But if you have like shitty marketing, you know, people won't realize it. Same with guys. If you're like the best guy in the world, but you're not able to communicate it, girls won't realize it. And then you have the the, the second the second part of people, and I don't work with them, who have a shitty basically a shitty product, but the best marketing in the world. Mm-hmm. So those are the guys I didn't work with because I'm like, mm, you know, you should work on something something else first, right? Those like the so-called assholes, um, but. Yeah, I would say most people that worked with me, um, they are just like super good souls, these like very nice guys, but they had no idea how to communicate it. And basically tell, tell like helping them to find ways how to communicate um, what they're good at, what they like, their passion, um, helped them already a lot. Mm-hmm. What were the key areas these uh, these guys were struggling with? first of course like the 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 approaching part right um so like talking to a stranger no matter if it's a nightclub or like during the day um that was definitely something 
and that's not it. That is also not not so easy, right? So if you never did this, and I'm like, okay, let's start, and you're like, what? <laughs> you know, um, that is that is one thing. But you will you will also see then like when they are in a conversation. I often, I also often heard like, what should I say? You can talk forever basically, but you know, I'm different. Um, so basically helping them to commute, uh, communicate freely because it's usually most of the time, not always, but most of the time a, a filter that they have in their mind. And the filter is basically constantly saying like, that is not good enough. Like I should not say that, right? Mm -hmm. That is not normal if I would say that. Mm -hmm. But if you can let, let go of this filter and communicate freely, you can basically talk forever. That is why of some of my speeches, I had like, I don't know, five words on my paper, right? On my notes. I'm like, let's, let's see, let's see, right? So I went on stage, I'm like, okay, five bullet points. And then I talked for like one and a half hours. Um, and, and yeah, then the third part is basically what should they do if they have a girl and they date her on a regular basis? Um, how can, you know, hold the, 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 the relationship fresh, and keep her interested and stuff like that. I think that are the key areas. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the first two areas because I feel like for poker players, there's so many poker players who I know who are slightly or varying degrees of socially awkward, right? Because, you know, the somewhat isolating job of playing poker online, a certain type of people choose it to begin with and uh, you know it, it doesn't doesn't make the social life easier when you're all the time away so approaching people in general never mind for dating purposes but approaching somebody for some people it's always a struggle right and unfortunately it sets some people back in some other career business opportunities or just life opportunities and and, and otherwise what is your advice uh, in general, for people who are struggling to to approach a stranger, for example, or approach somebody where they need something from them, uh, how to overcome this anxiety, the fear, or whatever else they might be facing? Mm -hmm. I had a good conversation with Ben about this topic um, because he told me that he, like he has this huge Discord channel, right? Mm -hmm. Of like I don't know thousands of people in there, and he said sometimes people are afraid to post a hand. Um, of different reasons. Maybe they think like they don't get an answer or maybe they think like people will laugh at them or they think they are a bad player. So instead of posting there and getting feedback and becoming a better player, the fear is so strong that they say like, I cannot post a hand there. And they stay at the level that they're at for like many months, years. And then at some point they're like, oh, I'm not be becoming better. I'm giving up. Mm -hmm. Instead of just like overcoming the fear, posting a hand, getting feedback, applying it and, you know, becoming better. Mm. And what, what I would say is, of course, there's some fear there, but it's basically like a muscle. So I think to, to get over fear, like no matter if it's like approaching someone or, or posting a hand in Discord or whatever, it's like a muscle. And the more you can leave your comfort zone and, and, and step into this fear the more you train it and the better you can control it. Ben, for example, he also approached this girl on, on the beach, I think. Right. So like he went up, he's like, Hey, <laughs> you know, I'm Ben, <laughs> how are you? Or whatever he said, I don't know. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, they have a beautiful relationship now. So um, 
maybe that's that's another thing that if people see what's possible, not just in terms of, of dating, but also in terms of friendship, right? I, I have many poker friends and I also got in touch with them by just like walking up, talking to them or like, you know, posting something in like a Discord channel. I'm like, hey guys, blah, blah, blah. Stuff like that. We became friends. Um, so many good things can happen, but you have to put yourself out there. Mm-hmm. And of course it's, it's, you know, some, it's, you know, scary sometimes or something new, but I think with high risk and a poker player should know that with high risk, you also can see some high rewards. Yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, those people not posting the hands on discord in the context of what we were discussing of people being afraid to approach because actually it's it's really almost the same problem is the fear of probably fear of looking stupid fear of rejection right because what is what is the fear if, if you post the hand on on discord like what's the worst thing that can happen somebody who you don't know is gonna say oh you suck this is stupid you know well probably the worst thing is that ben himself would go and say ah oh, you suck and <laughs> it's stupid but he would never yeah. do that because no. you know that's that's not the point and you know and yeah it's it's unfortunate because you're right it stops a lot of people from uh, you know, getting on the next level because they don't utilize all the opportunities. And I see it very often of people not being open enough to to communicate between themselves in a group. Even if they're working together, they, they could do more by sharing more of their experiences, sharing more of their insights. Because there's another aspect, there's one aspect of I don't want to look stupid and another aspect, I don't want to share my genius insight that nobody else in the world knows. Only I figured this out. I'm going to hold on to it. Like, uh, you know, it's it's my precious, uh, which is also not true, right? Because if you figured something out, chances are a lot of other people have figured the yeah. same thing out, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, but what what would be your advice for people who, how to, how to overcome it, basically? How to, because you said that's like a muscle, but what's the first step? What's the first step for somebody to realize, listen, it's okay to post something on forum. It's okay to, um, for example, bump into somebody in the WSOP circuit and say, hey, you know, I'm such and such, admire your work, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I have a question for you, right? How many people don't do it? Now, how many people miss out on business opportunities or other opportunities because they don't want to, they're afraid to take that first step. So how to help them? Yeah, I would say the, the first question people should ask themselves is like, how strong is my muscle already? Because you have like from, from like school or whatever, some sort of social muscle is already there. The question is, how strong is it? And if it's like you're afraid to post in a, I don't know, 5,000 Discord channel a hand, if you're afraid of that, then maybe you can find a Facebook group with like 50 people and you're like, okay, you know, I can delete my post there or like, mm. you know, like they people seem nice there and maybe you start there. Or if you're afraid to approach a Victoria's Secret model, you know, then you might say, okay, let's, let's talk to, you know, like a granny ask for the direction first. And if that is not a problem, then I, you know, move to the next step mm. and, and basically start on the level where you're at and train. Same, same with like going to the gym. If you cannot lift 10 kilograms, then start with five, you know, and then work your way up until 10 and then like 220 and then so on. Mm -hmm. I think it's the same principle here. 
Yeah. Although if you cannot lift 10 kilograms, <laughs> you have a big problem, <laughs> I think. <laughs> You should really seek out some medical advice. Whoever you are, if you're able to listen to this conversation, you can't lift 10 kilo. You've got a problem. Yeah, that's true. That is so true. That's, yeah. if, if there's one uh, key piece of information from today's conversation, that's that's it. You know, I hope we didn't help anyone with this because if we did, <laughs> then yeah. more so. Um, right. Yeah, I, I like I like the idea of you know, like you said, if you if you're afraid to go on Discord, find a different channel, find a smaller channel, find something what you're comfortable with. Um and same as talking to strangers, talking to strangers is the same thing. It doesn't matter who they are. Eventually it doesn't matter. At first it might seem like, oh my god, now how I would uh, talk to the granny or how I would talk to them. It's a completely different thing, but no, not really, right? So the second area, what you've mentioned in a conversation, people would would struggle with uh, what should I say? What what should I say? Basically, right? That that was the area that that people struggle. So what? How do you feel about that? Like, do people overthink it? Because you've mentioned. Uh, this fact that some people have this filter in their brain and thinking of like, ah, this this is not great. I shouldn't say that, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel, again, it's uh, somewhat common in, in poker players, especially, you know, the, the more, nah, I don't know, I, I don't want to categorize po poker players, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that come to mind who really filter everything they say in any form of conversation, even in a conversation with friends, because there's always this idea of like, mm, now this is minus EV, so to speak, uh, if I say that. Um, what's your advice there? Yeah, so a little bit of background why we have these filters. Maybe that, that helps for the listeners. So I think the reason why we have these filters is because we grow up and we learn from school, from our parents, from the social cycle we're in, but also from our culture, what is okay to say, what is not okay, but also in terms of behavior, right? For example, um, another very common thing I, I, I saw back then was from the Disney movies or from Hollywood. We learned that like, you know, no matter who you are, you know, if you fight for a girl and if you like scream at like, you know, 10 p.m., you know, with chocolate in your hand and the, you know, some flowers and you're like, yes, Sarah, open the door, you know, and like, this is how you get a girl and stuff like that. But if you do that, you end up in jail, right? That is the reality. Yeah. So, so also from, from, from these sources, you learn, um, what's okay to say and what's not okay. And also in terms of behavior, that is when the filter gets created, right? And in, in like, um, when we're teenagers, right? And like become an adult, this is like when the filters like get stronger and stronger. And like, of course the filter changes and gets like either stronger or weak in certain areas. Um, but I think that, that the core filter develops, you know, until we're 18 or so, right? 18, 21, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then basically that is why I think also a lot of people say like, okay, I'm now 21. I was never good with girls and that's it. You know, <laughs> like, like I'm lost, right? I'm lost. Um, but then if you show them, Hey, it's possible if you put in the work 
Um, and then you help them to find like where the muscle is, maybe like as a coach, you push them a little bit, you're like, let's talk to the granny first. And then, you know, um, like maybe like, you know, like uh, a girl you're not so attracted to, let's say, right. And then you work your way up and then they end up usually in the spot where they're like, okay, I run out of things to say, what should I do? And then you can, you have two options, basically helping them and giving them some sort of a structure to say what, what I always say is like, um, and this goes like, like in the dating coaching now a little bit. Um, but I think if you approach someone, the right mindset, mindset to have is basically find out, not just like, if, am I good for her? Right. So it's like, I want to like show her that I'm good, but also find out, is she a good fit for you? So the option one is like, if you run out of things to say, then ask questions and find out if she's a good fit for you as well. Not just say like, oh, I can do this and I could do that, but also say like, okay, hmm, you know, like I like girls who were, you know, like, I don't know, have a fashion sense, you know, stuff like that. You seem like a fashion person, right? Blah, 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 right? Many, many options, whatever is important for you. Um, option two is that we work on the filter and say, okay, where's the filter coming from? Why do you think that way? And there are certain techniques you can, or, or exercises you can train yourself on. Right. I don't know what it's called in English, but it's basically um, you you can look around in the room. That's the exercise. And you see like a table and then you build a sentence with the table. It's like, oh, my table is brown. And then you have like the word like my table and brown. Those are like the, the key words. And then with those three words, you build a new sentence. Brown, you know, like, oh, like, I don't know. Um, I like brown, whatever you know blah 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 and then like you build a new sentence with that right or or table you know stuff like that you're like oh you know this this table doesn't look so expensive and you're like expensive but talking about expensive you know like what about this bag that you have here you know stuff like that um and and basically with this technique there's a certain word for it and um, you can talk forever if you do this exercise and this also help you, helps you to get rid of this filter, right? But, but we're going like a little bit deep now, I think, right? Right. I'm trying to understand. Um, I didn't plan to talk about the dating coaching today, but why not? Because I think this is, this is interesting <laughs> because um, the way I see it, that the problem that some of these people are facing is not limited to dating. Dating is just acutely visible for them. Listen, I, 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 I can't manage to um, get into a relationship in my life. I, I, I struggle with approaching girls. And I would assume it's the same for some girls who are looking for, for a boyfriend, right? It's not limited to, it's not only a male problem, right? The, there's, there's a lot of uh, women there feeling the same. Right. It might be some might say, and mostly those some are going to be men. Oh, it's much easier for girls to find a boyfriend. Right. But it's a question of where do we settle? Right. Because it's not that hard for a guy to find a girlfriend. It's pretty hard to find a girlfriend that you're happy with. Right. That's, that's, there's the difference. But um, yeah, I forgot where I was going with this. Um, yeah, what I what I see sometimes in um, some of my friends or acquaintances that I've 
that I know of, especially in the poker community. Some guys don't put in much thought into the whole idea. They have a goal. I need a girlfriend. And then their means for some people, it would be, okay, I need to seek out a coach. I need to seek out some, some advice. For some guys, it's a complete opposite. I need to buy a big flashy car. I need to buy the most expensive watch. Uh, I need to buy this. I need to buy that, et cetera, et cetera. Because then it's basically, that problem is solved. Is it though, right? Because I, I don't think so, right? Mm, yeah, it's, that is very nice that you mentioned this because um, two things that, that you said. The first thing is like, most people say like, I want a girlfriend and, and that's it. But it's also about like, is it a good fit? Because what we want to avoid here in Austria, you have like a divorce rate of over 50%. And I think that is very, like this shows very good what, what our point here is that if you find some girl that is okay, you could uh, end up in the, you know, in the percentage which gets divorced. And I think a divorce is like horrible for both sides. So in the ideal case, you don't want to have a divorce and you want to have a happy relationship. And that's why you have to put in a, a lot of effort, I think. And it's not, the effort is not like buying a fancy car and like showing off with some Rolex watches um, because then you will attract the wrong girls. Um, and that's not, I think, what the ideal goal is, right? If you if you only think like, okay, like if I spend enough money on a girl, she will like me. I think that is not the right approach mm. because I can tell you um, when I did the, the dating stuff, I like I had times where I had no money to go into a nightclub and I climbed over the walls to get into the nightclub, right? Because I, I wasn't able to pay 50 bucks for the entry, right? But it was like, I had times where I had like no money to like go into a nightclub and it worked out, right? And I had like times where, right? I had enough money to go into a nightclub and it also worked out. So it's it's not about, it's, it's really not about the money. Money should be like a bonus and should be something that you can share with someone that you really like. Could be your friends, could be your girlfriend, but it should not be like because of money you get friends, because of money you get girls. Um, so I think that the right approach is definitely, um, to find out, okay, what is, what do I want and what can I offer? Right. I, I give you a, a small, small story here as well. Um, I remember when I first got introduced to the dating stuff myself, when I was shy, um, I, I bought a book. I can't remember what it was, but it was like a 30 day challenge and it was like, how, how to get like stuff like a more comfortable, confident after 30 days. I, I can't remember so, something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and every day you had to do a certain exercise and certain and write certain things down. And I, I will never, never forget this on day one. Um, you had to fill out like, or you, you had to answer some questions basically. And the first question was write down five characteristics um, of your dream girl. And I was sitting there, I'm like, oh, I can choose, hmm, you know? And I think it took me like two hours to find like five, the five characteristics that I want. The second question was, what are five characteristics you can offer to a girl? 
And I'm like, okay, hmm, what kind of offer? I have no idea. It took me another two hours to write down question number two. Um, and, and like, I think it was like four or five questions. Um, and I think it took me the whole day to answer five questions, which should show you that when you start to think about these things, like, like then, then you realize, okay, like you can choose. There's so many things I don't know or, or I never thought about. Um, and yeah, helped, helped a lot to like get clarity on that. And then you start to think with, with day two, with like first challenges or so. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's funny about it, this, how, how you described your moment of realization, I can choose, right? Which is something that so many people forget. And it, it applies to basically any walk of life. Because even if we take uh, this limited area of poker players, a lot of poker players actually don't realize they can choose. They can choose to play a different game. They can choose to be a tournament player, a cash game player. They can choose to play deep stack, short stack. They can choose to play this side, that side. You know, they can choose to play in the morning, evening, night, etc. There is freedom. And oftentimes, so many people just forget about it because we get into this routine of we're just doing this and not questioning why we're doing this, forgetting why we're doing this. So yeah, this mm-hmm. this was uh, just a remark on, on, on your realization of, oh, wow, I, I can actually choose. Yeah, 100%, 100%. I think that is like the, the key essence here. Um, and yeah, some some poker players um, who understand that that you can choose, not just like in, in, in terms of poker, but in life in general, then they say, okay, hmm, let's talk with a mindset coach or like maybe a dating coach or whatever. Um, and that's why Ben uh, said many times that, you know, I have, I'm the holy grail for poker players because of like the dating background, right? What a lot of poker players struggle with, but also um, a very strong mindset um, background. Mm. And this in, in, in combination um, can, can, you know, can help with a lot of changes in life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um... There was something I wanted to to ask you, and now it slipped my mind. Um, yeah, but coming back to, for example, this this notion of I can choose, right? And you've described uh, the exercise of of taking five or listing five uh, attributes, uh, what you're looking for, and then five attributes that you uh, that you can offer. Right? How many people in the poker world actually listed five things why they play poker, right? Yeah. And then listed five things why they play exactly the game that they're playing and not the mm-hmm. other game and not something else, right? Because sure, it looks on surface, oh, wow, but it's really difficult to change. I invested so much time into this, which is basically a sunk cost fallacy. I invested so much time and effort, so of course I'm not going to do something else. Uh, it's a stupid notion, but unfortunately, it, it is the way it is. Um, and especially in the modern time, it's so easy to find material to experiment with a different game, to seek out help from from a coach. And also, for some people, it might be, you know, because listen, there are so many poker players who, on surface, are happy with what they're doing. 
and deep down somehow are miserable a lot of the time, right? Complaining about all the downswings, complaining about all the injustice that is happening and et cetera, et cetera, right? And if some of these people would list everything they like about the game and why they play, and they would realize, well, this is actually awesome, but everything that they don't like and why they struggle, very often the things that they struggle with don't have anything to do with their game. They have everything to do with their life. They're not happy with the routine. They're not happy with how poker destroys their social life because they, you know, now it's obviously the pandemic, so that kind of falls out of the equation. But how many people complained and used to complain uh, that, oh, I can't hang out with my friends outside of poker industry because, well, they want to hang out on Saturday, Sunday, but I grind Saturday, Sundays, and I can't hang out during the day. I'm in the evening, right? A lot of people complained about it. Now, how many people actually went out and changed their routine in such a way to accommodate uh, what they actually want? If, if you really want to hang out with your friends, is that you know, 0.2 big big blinds uh, in your EV, is that really worth sacrificing that part of your life? 100%. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, what to, to add on this, there's another very powerful exercise that I teach my clients when it comes to finding their why. Because we, we talked about this. And it's basically that um, scientists found out that to find the core reason, you have to ask yourself why you do certain things five to seven times and always go deeper. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, if, if you would ask someone, why do you play poker? And he says, yeah, because of the money and freedom. And then the next, the next level would be, why do you want to have a lot of money and freedom? And then the next why would be, because then I can see other cultures and the world, for example. Right? Mm -hmm. And then why do you want to see other cultures in the world? And if you do this enough times, usually five to seven times should be enough, you will find the core reason, your core why. And this can help you a lot by finding the core motivator in terms of poker. Mm -hmm. Because that is usually it's not about the money, right? It's the core motivator is usually not about the money. No. The, the core motivator is usually much deeper. And if you do this, as I just said, it can also help you a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And also, like, to be honest, if the core motivator is just the money and you're not already a high-stakes poker player, uh, quit. Quit and find, find yeah. a job, right? Because there's easier ways to make money, especially in the long term with building uh, something that has long-term potential and scalability. But Because with poker, unless you break out and become a high-stakes player, you're not going to be making a shitload of money, right? Obviously, there are regions in the world where being a mid-stakes poker player beats any available possible job that you might get in your country, and then you're blessed to have this opportunity to play poker, right? And it's amazing. And how many people from, well, I don't want to you know, list the regions. We all know the regions where this is basically the best profession for for young guys that they could have because it does allow them to to express themselves in something they like as opposed to work some shit job and and have no money um so you 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 manage to get something that actually fulfills you and at the same time provides a level of living that is way above the average 
in in the region. So that's that's amazing. But then in Western Europe, chances are money as a motivation. I mean, come on, please, right? And poker is such a beautiful game. I mean, there's so many other reasons to play it and to commit your God knows how many years. You know, for some people, it's probably worth committing all their life because they're just enjoying it so much. Right, so it's it's beautiful, but if you do it for for the right reasons, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, if like I, I talk about this with with friends also a lot, um, because I know some people who started with low stakes and like now they're on the jump between like middle and high stakes. Um, so, like at the beginning, we we talked a lot about money because when you play low stakes you can spend eight hours and earn like 10 bucks, right? You're like, oh shit, right? Um, so you kind of obviously don't live from like 10 bucks in, in eight hours, right? Um, but at the end of the day, as you said, it's it's not about it's not about the money. I'm like, because I, I was asking them, like, what is your motivator, right? Because of course, if you if you earn like 10 bucks in eight hours, if, if money is the motivator, you get demotivated very fast. And you're like, no, I love the game so much. And the reward in poker comes at the end, I think. Mm-hmm. That is that is what they always say. They say, like, okay, the reward in poker comes at the end of your journey. And you will always you will only get to the end of the journey if you love the game. And and that is what, what they told me. And and I really like this this point of view. Um and yeah, I think you will get re- rewarded at, at basically the end of the journey, mm-hmm. right? Or like on the later part of the journey, not the end, because when is the end, but yeah. the later part of the journey. But yeah, I, I really like their attitude. Yeah, but there is a problem with this attitude, though, because it's all nice and beautiful, almost like a Hollywood script, right? The <laughs> life is different because the the truth is a lot of people in their journey forget about themselves and they burn out and they destroy their health right and it, and it's crazy to think like even some of the high stakes players right sleeping like 3 4 hours a day for a year yeah it doesn't take a scientist to figure out like listen whatever money you're making it's probably not worth it because you're mm-hmm. just killing yourself and scale it down a bit you know slow down a bit it's so hard to slow down for some people because another aspect with the same journey approach of you're going to get paid in the end or in the later stages is because a lot of people see poker and this ladder of progression, low stakes, mid stakes, high stakes, as if it's a video game, as if it's a leaderboard in a video game. And then let's go and we level up and we beat the next boss, you know, and you know all this crap which is made up which is which is not real because that there is no leaderboard there is no you know rainbow in the end of the journey and like nobody can agree who's better right right now there is comically there's some people claiming i'm better at this form of poker and then there's going to be an army of people saying no you're not better actually somebody else is better and then there's complete disagreement because there's no real metric so whatever video game mentality of the high score you have in your mind it's just there it's just in your mind really Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean i think what 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 they wanted to say is basically that 
if you start low stakes and you're in there for the money, right? It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. So you have to you have to love the game to stay until it's like worth your time, basically. Mm-hmm. Well, that's of right? course absolutely true, and which is true in any profession. Like if you let's not even take something where money is involved. Let's say you want you have the dream of I want to play a guitar or I want to play piano, right? Your first couple months. I mean, you have to pay people to listen to you. Right? <laughs> yeah. So you're yeah. definitely not doing it for the money. And and there's not much joy either. You have to go through it with some intrinsic internal motivation to keep going, right? And eventually yeah. the journey is worth it. And then, yes, when you achieve some mastery, you can actually enjoy the process. It's pretty much the same with, with everything that requires a lot of um, practice and a lot of skill in the process. Yeah, hundred hundred percent. Yeah, and it's like, I think learning poker and learning an instrument is very similar. Um, but I think also, you probably can also say it's very similar to maybe to get good at dating, right? It's like the same process. At at the beginning, um, you you might struggle with easy things, and with time you will get better and better and better, and 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 level up basically, and and. Yeah, it's I, also with the gym, right? If you cannot lift 10 kilograms, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? At, at some point, you can like maybe, um, you know, lift more than, than you could ever imagine if you stick mm. to it. Yeah, absolutely. But then if we think about the dating, because um, you've mentioned getting better and better at dating, at some point, you get the relationship that you want and you stop practicing the so it's it's somewhat different right because there is not well how do you look at that like because yeah so so yeah, yeah okay go ahead <laughs> sorry um yeah so so basically it's not that i think that's also another misconception misconception that people say okay i got the girl and it's over right um but i would not say it's over because um it in reality, um, I'm thinking of how deep I should go now. <laughs> um, but I think in reality, you have to put in work to keep the relationship fresh and exciting. Um, because if like, this was one of the things why I was so motivated to, to get good at this topic, because I remember I, I went to, to a restaurant and I looked around to at the other tables and what I saw is like other couples and they're, they're eating and they're like, yeah, do you like it? And then like, you know, like you had the feeling that the biggest wish is to be at a different place right now mm-hmm. and not with their partner in, in, in a good restaurant. Um, and I think here in Austria, especially, I, 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 I see more couples like this who basically like don't like being with each other compared to the couples where like they go in a restaurant, they have a good conversation, they smile at each other, the way they look at each other is different. So it's not that you can say like, okay, I got my girlfriend and then, you know, everything else is not, not necessary or not important. It's basically working on the relationship itself because um, also maybe, um, to explain this a little bit further, a relationship is always like a triangle. So you have the guy, you have the girl, and you have the relationship it, itself 
as an entity and you have to put in like you have to make sure that there's enough energy and enough love for everyone there basically it's a little bit hard hard to explain i think it's like takes like 20 30 minutes to explain this concept yeah um, it's, a, it's a hard sell but, to say a relationship is like a yeah. triangle because yeah, like, yeah. Well, not so yeah. sure that's not yeah, how my yeah. relationship looks like yeah yeah but uh, it's, it's like in terms of energy in terms of energy yeah, right yeah. so like the relationship also has to get nurtured in a way mm-hmm. right so like the, the triangle in, in, in easy terms is basically the guy should still work on himself and try to improve himself and like his business or his passion, whatever, same with the girl, right? So it's like, they should both develop in their own direction, but they should also like give each other love in terms of like um, cuddling, you know, in- intimacy and stuff like that. But also like the, the third entity with the relationship is like keep the relationship fresh in terms of like activities, um, you know, like new experiences, travel together, stuff like that. So it's basically like, yeah, both, like all of those three um, entities should have enough love and enough energy mm-hmm. to to keep to keep basically going and then keep this fresh. So why do people not keep their relationship fresh? What's what's stopping them? Yeah, I think like they they ignore the triangle, <laughs> you know. No, but um, I think that the the biggest problem is that you have a lot of routines in the relationship and then it's just get it's it just it's just boring then at some point if you if you have the same day over and over again and then you're like mm, you know and of course um what i can tell you is like that your weeks when you when you see it like um in terms of weeks your weeks will, will look very similar and it's you will have to have certain routines in your life it's like it's not possible to say like every every day looks different right so i'm not saying that but i'm saying try to find things that she really likes and try to make her happy but also try to think of things that you like to do and also like either do them alone or like together or stuff like that um but what i see is basically that most relationships they become like like one person and then they like it's not allowed for like those people to do things on their own. Um, and then it's basically what they do is they watch Netflix all day long. Mm. And then five years later, they're like, ah, I don't love you anymore. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that is like, of course there are many other reasons as well, but I think that is one of the most common themes that I see. Mm. Especially now in the pandemic, I guess, a lot of people struggle with this because it's pretty hard to have experiences um, mm-hmm. because you can't do anything, you know, depending on where, where you're based geographically. But at least for the time being, you know, a lot of the world is quite closed down. Do you have some tips and advice of, you know, how can people keep their relationship fresh when they're locked down at home? Yeah, that is a little bit tricky, of course. Um, but here, here in Vienna, for example, um, you can still book some Airbnbs. Um, and you can, if you say, let's do a weekend trip, right? You don't have to do it every weekend. But basically when you say, okay, um, you know, we're only at home and then the lockdown getting on our nerves, let's drive, you know, to the next city or like the next big city and, you know, walk around there because you can't be outside, 
right? So if you drive to another city within your country and you walk around, see some sites, that is possible. Or um, also another poker player that I teach um, in terms of dating, mostly, um, he now like ha has a girlfriend, um, fresh, fresh relationship. And he's like, he, he asked me the same thing. And I'm like, yeah, you can invite your closest friends. If you want, you can make a test or so. Um, but your closest friends and just like have a, uh, like a game night or so where you're mm -hmm. like each, each four of you like play certain things or like activity or whatever you would like to do. And, and basically be, become a child for a night mm -hmm. and, and keep it fresh that way. I think like, I'm not the most creative one, but um, I think if you sit down and really think of like, okay, how can I make this more fun, more exciting? Um, I'm sure people will think of cool activities to do, even in, in, in times of a lockdown. Mm. Yeah. Um, oh man, we covered kind of two directions at the same time. Yeah, we started yeah, with, yeah. with the more poker centric mental game and then we we moved on to dating and uh, relationships and socializing in general all right so i just wonder how can we how can we tie it up and we also of course talked about how you chose to be a coach right mm -hmm. and uh, how how you went for this career and i know i asked you already today and in regard of what you learned from from your students in the dating, but from all your years in being a coach, what are some of the biggest lessons for yourself that you got either from working with your students or just doing the work? Uh, what are some of the key moments for you that stand out? That, first of all, it's 100% um, or, or let's let's put it in other words. I think it's a good idea to have some guidance at some point. And what I saw is that most people, it doesn't matter if it's from, from dating or from, from poker, um, most people have at least one area in their life that needs to be improved, let's say, or, or needs some improvement. Um, and usually it's one area in life that they say, okay, I like I having a hard time figuring it out myself, right? The, an example that I can give you from my life is I always had like a, a, like a, a little bit of a challenge with like the business, the business stuff, because I knew um, I'm very ambitious. I can build a business, but I was never sure like, okay, which direction should I go? I, I have so much knowledge in different areas. Um, I think like, you know, I can explain things very well and like go in depth very well and like have a feeling for people. Um, but there was a point in my life where I had some, some dating clients, I had some like entrepreneurs who worked with me in terms of mindset, I had some poker players. And I was like, I'm like, like, you know, like it's like too, too much at once. Right. I have like to, to cover like three niches at once. And I'm like, okay, like I, I know, like I have to niche down. I have to be more specific. Um, so what should I do? And like, I also work with a business coach who said to me, like, you should focus on one niche and, and, and basically dominate this niche as best as possible <clears throat> because you can help the, the clients, you know, better. 
you can understand them better. You can create better content for them because you know their pain points and, and basically gain a following. And I'm like, I love poker. I want to work with poker players. And he's like, yeah, you have some, some mindset knowledge. Let's, let's, let's go this direction. I'm like, sure. And, and right now I think I have one of the, the biggest growing poker brands um, in, in 2021. And, and I'm super proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another thing that I see in people is that first, most problems are self-made, right? It's like, we create our own problems, but it's just like part of, of the game, right? Part of life. Um, and second of all, there are like so many forms of self-sabotage in people and it's like not, nothing bad or so. It's just like normal. And sometimes we are blind to these things. Sometimes people come in the call and I ask them simple questions and they're like, oh, I get it. Oh my God. I'm like, yeah, it's like five minutes in the call, right? I'm like, okay, <laughs> right? Sometimes we apply to certain, certain problems, certain aspects. Um, and that is normal because um, when you take a look at your brain, you have like 80 to 90% of the same thoughts from yesterday. If you don't actively work on getting new thoughts in with like reading books or, or stuff like that, listening to a good podcast, for example. Mm. But if you don't do that, you usually end up having 80 to 90% of, of the same thoughts from the day before, right? And of course you can get blind to certain problems or solutions. So having, having someone on your side who basically like asks the right questions and maybe like guides you in a way, like you can, you can see crazy, crazy improvements. And I would say since I work with my coach, right? My business coach, um, the things I learned about the economy, business, branding, stuff like that, like to figure this out on my own, I think it would took me 10 years or so, or even more. Mm. Um, and yeah, he, yeah, basically if you have someone who is a, he's specialized in a field and can give you all this knowledge, that is a dream. And, and with the internet, and that's the last point, with the internet, we have access to, to amazing people from all over the world. Um, and I think that the, the core message of this podcast, that's what I want to share with people from nearly eight years of, of coaching experiences. If people can resonate with me, I'm fine with that, right? I'm, I'm 100% fine. But if there is an area of life that you want to improve, um, don't let ego get involved and try to find someone in the whole world that offers some coaching that can help you. And this can improve the quality of your life tremendously, tremendously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I just want to add to something that you said about uh, you working with your business coach and you said, well, I could figure these things out. It would probably take me 10 years or something. I think we often forget and especially, well, I, I'm actually not sure if it's true, but I think a lot of poker players are prone to believe that uh, they can just do everything or anything, right? Well, I can do anything. Sure. Business. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to watch some YouTube videos. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be on top of things. And that might be true. But if it's not the area where what you're passionate about, why are you wasting your time? Focus on what you're passionate about. Let somebody else help you in the areas what, which are not your areas. Because listen, if you, if you haven't thought about, well, mental game is so important. I really want to dig into it why all of a sudden you're going to become a mental game expert, right? Just just get somebody who can 
nudge you in the right direction. And perhaps you're going to end up researching yourself a lot. But that first initial nudge, that first initial direction, it's so important. And um, in so many areas, I mean, especially nowadays with the internet, it's so easy to get help on so unlimited, basically, things. Even if you want to, like nowadays, if you want to learn a piano and you don't want to hire a teacher, why wouldn't you get somebody online to guide you through the process? Right, sure, you can just do it yourself, but you know, at least you're probably going to get some sort of an app, I would assume, nowadays. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and, and people always want to have the shortcut, right? People always say, like, what is the shortcut with this? Or what's the shortcut with that? And mm-hmm. I would say, like, having a coach is basically the shortcut. That's the answer. But people yeah. sometimes don't want to hear this, right? Yeah. They're like, the ego is involved, or they're like, nah, mindset is bullshit or stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? But yeah, and also, you a know, I think in my opinion, a lot of people have this problem with um, value. It's easy to put value on, let's say you buy a car, you know, well, this car market value is such and such. You buy a watch market value, such and such. You buy coaching, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, I think it's worth like this. The coach is saying it's worth this much. So where's the truth, et cetera, right? Because yeah. And for some people, there's always going to be this, this problem of like, oh, I don't know. I think I'm paying too much, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I had an experience with the coach that I hired, um, not poker-related things. And I paid a lot of money to him. And I think I got my value out of the first... 15 minutes of the of the first conversation, right? I was like, okay, well, it was worth it, right? And and the rest of it to me just doesn't matter anymore. And I'm sure that somebody would go through the same coaching, through the same experience, and in the end of all the sessions, they would still feel like, nah, it wasn't worth it, right? So it's such a subjective thing. And sometimes we just have to accept that these small improvements in our life, small nudges are they have potential to make a huge difference long-term and that's what matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that is, that is something that um, I think we talked about this a little bit um, previously. Um, I, I asked the same questions to, to Ben Heath who works with, with uh, Elliot Rowe mm-hmm. and asked him like, how is it, how is it tangible, right? How can you like measure your mindset improvement? Um, and he's like, yeah, it's of course, mindset is not tangible. Like compared, like if you go to a fitness coach, he's like, yeah, you get your six pack back in eight weeks or whatever. And you're like, okay, that is tangible. Um, but he said something that, that really made me smile because he said, yeah, it's not tangible, but you know the difference. You know mm-hmm. the difference. You oh, will yeah. notice. Um, and yeah, that is why I think that if you if you start to work on your mind, of course, like, it's a little bit of a question mark what, what comes out at the end. But I always ca- calculate when, when, when um, I'm in a call with someone who is interested in my coaching, I take the other route. Um, before our call, I, I had a, a call with a UK player who was interested in, my, interested in my coaching. And he said to me, yeah, I, I tilt a lot and it cost me a lot of money. I'm like, okay, um, like I said, like the stakes that you play, he's like, he plays like tournaments and, and, and cash both. Um, I'm like, okay, 
So let's let's take like a cash game table and you tilt. How, how often do you tilt? He's like once a week. I'm like, okay, so how much did you lose the last time you last time you tilt, right? He's like, yeah, it was very brutal, around like 2K or so, 2, 3K. I'm like, okay, let's let's take 2K. And you say you tilt once a week. So four times, um, four times two is like is like uh, 8K. So getting rid of tilt would be 8K worth for you, right? He's like, maybe, I'm like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right? So, and of course you have like a long, long-term, uh, long-term effect as well. But if you, like, if you, I know that poker players always think in terms of return of investment. And if you can show them working with a mindset coach has a lot of return of investment, it can save you money. It can save you money. Um, then I think, this gives you at least a little bit of, of measurability, if that mm. is the word. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, you know, if you try to put it tangible, but also I think too many people overthink it, right? They they want to, like they know they need help with their mental game, but they're trying to sh window shop for deals of like, hmm, and I think the, the best way to approach it is just find somebody you want to work with and just work with them because eventually it's the person that matters and, and go for it. And anyway, speaking of the person, I feel like we covered a lot of ground today. It's a good, uh, good time to wrap up. Uh, Kareem, where can people find you and um, where can they reach out to you? Where, where could they follow you? Yeah, so easiest would be on, on social media. I always say my DMs are open for, for everyone. I want to be like as close to the people as possible. I think that's also something that differentiates me. So if someone has a question or whatever, the easiest would be social media. I think you can link like my Facebook and, and Instagram down below, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we will. Yeah, and I also have a website, which is like my name. Um, first name, last name.com. That's my website if people want to do some research about me. And uh, yeah, I think this this would be the easiest. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely have all the links in the description. Um, and I want to thank you for your time. It was very interesting. We took it some unexpected turns, but uh, eventually yeah. I think everything <laughs> makes sense. And it's it's a nice full circle that we went today. Yeah, I think we covered a lot of topics and, and this shows that you know we both of us we have a lot of knowledge in, in in many different areas and that is the the beautiful stuff sometimes you you go into a podcast you don't know which direction it takes but at the end i think we we had a great podcast and yeah i think people will like it thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed this episode check out the description and of course i'd highly appreciate if you subscribe click like spread the word about the podcast also, if you'd like to receive a regular newsletter with my key takeaways about each episode, go ahead and subscribe to it on runchexpodcast.com. That's R-U-N-C-H-U-K-S podcast.com. I write those myself. I take it seriously and I really enjoy the interaction with the readers. So I hope you'll sign up uh, and I'll be back for you next time. Thank you.